brothers and sisters, versículo 13, por favor. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So he's saying that because of the resurrection of Christ, death and resurrection of Christ, he takes death and hope and puts where? He takes death and resurrection and puts together. Do we know that death is terrible? A terrible. Thank you for coming. You have a seat, I think, somewhere. Who is sitting there? Okay, Banza, you can sit over there. There's a seat there. You can sit there, Nani, because of the camera. Uh, thank you, my son. You have not missed a thing. I've not begun. So, he's saying. He wants the Christians to live their lives on this earth differently based on this promise. He wants you to go back to your home and tell the church that we must, the Bible, God demands that we must live totally differently from the unborn again world. Why? Because of the hope of resurrection. And he's saying, that it is very important for you, pastores, to make sure that you provide the right information about the rapture of the church, the coming of the Messiah to your congregations. Because the Lord wants them to be informed. Hallelujah. Step by step. It's going to get very deep now. He said... It is also the role of the church, the Christiano, to make sure they find a church where they can be taught about the coming of the Messiah. Because God wants them to know this. Hallelujah. You must go and announce it. And he says that if you look at the funerals, he's also dividing funeral there. He said that for you when you grieve, when somebody dies and you grieve, you don't grieve like those who have no hope. For us, we have hope. Why do we have hope? Because Jesus, by his resurrection, he broke the back of death. He broke the back of death. He finished the power of death on that day. So let's go step by step so you can make some notes. Step by step. Okay. He says the following. He's talking to the church here. Brothers and sisters, that is the church. The community of believers, right? The body of Christ. And he's saying the body of Christ should not be ignorant. We don't want you to be uninformed. He does not want you to be unenlightened to be in ignorance about the foundation. So, the rapture of the church really is based on salvation. The rapture of the church is founded on how you walk with Jesus. And he says, 
that he wants you to be fully informed. He wants you to be educated. Depending on whichever version you read. He wants you to know about the soul. The condition of the soul. Because in that church they thought if somebody died like their loved ones died out of persecution and everything else the soul is lost. But the Lord was giving hope here. The Lord is saying that when you are born again and you are holy, it's a win-win. If you die before the rapture, your soul goes to be with Jesus. I know I'm jumping ahead of myself. But your soul goes to be with Jesus. If you die before the rapture. And he's saying, that those who die before the rapture are the first actually to benefit from the rapture. Because he says, they already go to be with the Lord. And when the day comes, the Lord comes with them. And the glorious body is now prepared and they enter. Let's go step by step through this. Let's look at now death. First of all, let's look at death. If you don't mind. Again, there are two types of death, right? He's saying there's death for those who are born again, which he calls falling asleep, right? And for those who are not born again, death, eternal death, eternal destruction. Again, those who are born again, he says, asleep. Let's look at death first, blessed people. He says the following. The book of Psalms 55. Psalm 55 verses 4 to 5. He says the following. Salmo 55, versículos 4 al 6. Psalm 55 4 to 6 It says My heart is in anguish within me The terrors of death have fallen on me Fear and trembling have beset me I know different translations have different Some translations are more powerful Like uh, King James but he says, the terrors of death again, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that 
If I had wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. He's describing the cruelty of death. So, we understand very well that death is a separation of your soul, your, your, your spirit from the body, right? Do you remember when Jesus said, let's read it right here. Luke 23:46 Luke 23:46 por favor 23:46 he says the following Jesus called out in a loud voice Father into your hands I commit my spirit. So death is the separation of your spirit from the body. Because he says after that, when he had said this, he breathed his last. And that is a very tricky question. Because I remember I asked the Lord, I went and asked the Lord. I really wanted to know the cost of salvation. I asked him. Because he showed me how Jesus was crucified. And actually he took me down where Jesus went. Then I saw the leopard that crossed like this. I thought it was going to attack him. Then lightning came like this. And then he left like this. So I went before the Lord and I asked God the Father. When Jesus died on the cross, did the Trinity break? Those are now serious questions. It's now serious. What is the true cost of salvation? When Jesus died, because you see, he breathed his last. Did the Trinity break for the first time? The Father answered me at night and said, no, he did not. Oh, that shocked me very much. By voice. Let us clap to the Lord on that one. He did not. So that's amazing. That's amazing. But death here is the separation of his spirit from his body. Do you remember the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7? When God created until he breathed, there was no life. Just step by step. Because we are doing this as a conference. I don't need to run. 
I can go a little deeper with you, right? I can give you what I've not given elsewhere. So, he told me that the Trinity did not break. That really warmed my heart. Because I know that the triune God is eternal. But to hear it from God the Father by voice, that was very serious, right? Because actually I was preparing to preach on, on crucifixion the next day. So he knew that if he didn't tell me, I could have made a mistake. Because normally when I read that part, I break down and cry. Because for me, I've seen, he has shown me what Jesus went through. But death is now saying that because of the triumph, the victory, the resurrection of Jesus, the glorious resurrection of Jesus, that all of us now can have hope. That all of us now can live our lives on the earth, no matter the circumstance, but with hope. Totally different from the unborn again. And he's saying, Christian life must be different. What is the hope? There is so much here. I, I can read this and go up to verse 18. But can we just go deep a little bit? What is this hope? This hope was spoken about much earlier, even in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. This hope to begin with is salvation. It was spoken about earlier before it came. Are you ready to go deep? Hallelujah. So I can give you what I have not given elsewhere. But can we just run through death first? Please allow me please, right? Through death. See, see what death is. Because it says here, the book of Acts chapter 7, verses 50 to 60. That is now Stephen. I'm simply handling death. Because you'll hear Stephen also say, Lord, unto your hands I give my... Let's go step by step. Can you allow me? Because you came to get deep, right? Amen. Did you come to get deep? church. I don't want to mention where you come from because we are like very powerful. Hallelujah. Very serious. I feel we can go much deeper. So anyway, he says the following. In the book of uh, so here, again, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7 verses 50 to 60, blessed people. Real quick, because of time, I don't have much time. You must leave at 8 o'clock. Acts chapter 7. Hallelujah. Verses 50 to 60. Let's just read for scholarship, right? Hallelujah. He says the following. Acts chapter 7 from 50. Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts 
and ears are still uncircumcised, you are just like you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah. Now you are betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin had this, when the members of the Sanhedrin had this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Standing, not sitting. At this, they covered their ears and yelled at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witness laid their cords on the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Hallelujah. There, there are big things there. There are big things there that you take into your country. First of all, let's just go through this. He says very clearly here that when he lost his, when, he, when the spirit left him, then he slept. So the death, death that you are being told because of resurrection, now you have hope beyond the tombs. Death is cruel. Death many times is considered the fruit of sin. Death many times is considered Mankind, if somebody dies in the hospital, it's a de- like a defeat. The Lord is saying, Stephen here, these are the same people who crucified Jesus. Stephen stood. And he realized that Jesus is resurrected. He stood and rebuked them. 
gave them the gospel as it is. He did not change it. He told them they had killed the righteous one of God. The Sanhedrin. Stephen. Because of death and resurrection of Jesus. Did not fear death. And they stoned him. And number two, the next thing you see there is that when his spirit lives is when he dies. I'm simply handling death. But as a Christian, he slept. The book of James chapter 2. James chapter 2, I don't know how much we do today. James chapter 2, verse 26. James chapter 2, verse 26, says the following. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Again, death is actually disunion. Separation between your spirit and your body. But for Christians, the soul is considered asleep. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Undo that. For Christians, the body sleeps. But the spirit goes to be with Christ. Aye. Let us look at the non-Christians then. Revelation chapter 14. Non-Christians. Revelation 14. Verses 9 to 11 it says, again, non-Christians now. For the Christians, when you die, your soul goes to be with Christ. And that is what the Lord was describing over there. When he said that Jesus will come back with the souls of those who have died. Hallelujah. Let us run. He says, Revelation 14, for the non-Christians now. Verses 9 to 11. He says, the angel followed them and said in a loud voice, the third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships a beast and his image and receives his mark on, his, on, his fore, on their forehead and on their hand, they too will drink the wine of the fury of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his unbearable wrath. 
for those who are not born again. And he says, they will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and there will be no rest or rest day or night for them, for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives its mark, the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to him. Then verse 13, the Christians. Hallelujah. Verse 13, the Christians, he says, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord Jesus from now on. Again, it takes death and blessedness and puts together. The first one we saw, he took death and hope and put together. For those who are born again. Let us go back to our scripture now. As we finish. First Thessalonians chapter 4. He says the following. So brothers and sisters, verse 13 again, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that Jesus will bring, God will bring Jesus with those who have fallen asleep in him. Again, what does it mean to fall asleep in Jesus? That means at the point of death you were holy. And righteous. Not just every Christian, right? So now we have to be more careful. At the point of death they were holy. We just read from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, that some people who are born again properly have received the Holy Spirit can lose their salvation. So what is this thing about security of salvation? I know prosperity preachers want to push the security of salvation. But he goes on to say here, verse 15, According to the Lord's own word, I tell you, we tell you that we who are still alive, that church expected the rapture. That's why they are using the word we, we. If this is that church, the first century church, they expected the Messiah to come. So you must go back to your countries and tell them, how about after more than 2,000 years? How much more should we be expecting the Messiah? How close is the return then? In the book of Luke 12, you see how close it is, right? And then it says here, according to the Lord's own word, 
We tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord's own word. That is John chapter 14, right? Jesus himself promised, right? John chapter 14. Jesus promised that he's going to the Father to prepare a place for you. And if he does so, he comes back. Let's read it together, right? We are coming back to First Thessalonians to finish. We want really to finish at uh, 8 o'clock so you can have your meal. But there's so much deep which I'm ju- I've cut out. If I, I need get time tomorrow to dig deep on death. Hallelujah. John chapter 14 1, 14 versículo 1 al 3 He says the following. John 14. Jesus' own words. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That is amazing. We saw that when he entered Jerusalem, that was the first time he agreed that they should call him king. And here, he's saying boldly that he is God. Can I share a vision here? In that vision, my son's from there. We don't mention where you're from. In that vision, All of a sudden I stood before the throne of God Almighty. 2nd of April 2004 is a very popular vision. I preached it all over the world. That is the landmark vision. Because some of the things that are in that vision are still being fulfilled until today. 2nd of April 2004. And in that vision... I was standing, I found myself standing right before the throne of God. Tremendous white glory covered the throne of God. And he made me know that he that sits on the throne was seated on the throne. And was paying particular attention to the conversation that was about to take place where I was standing. Hallelujah. Then all of a sudden, John the Baptist came out of the glory of the throne. This is deep now. This is very deep. And when he came, I've given the details how he walks here, he comes this way, walks this way, but he stood and we had a conversation. And then he began to tell me about the glorious Lamb of God. The one that died for the sin of man. The glorious Lamb of God 
that died for the sin of man. And that he was about to come. And God tell the four ends of the earth that the glorious Lamb of God that died for the sin of man is coming. The second, immediately after that conversation, of course in that conversation, those who know it, then I engaged him. I said, but why did he have to die? Those who know this, I've shared it globally. Inside there, before the throne, I said, but why did he have, did he have to die really? I know many people have thought like that. That wouldn't God have been able to just finish it without slaughtering his son. That is when the Lord showed me a vision within a vision. And I saw the day the Messiah was slaughtered. On the cross. Still standing at the throne. After that, then the voice of the Father spoke from the throne. And he said, let me show you what is about to happen to the earth. Then we left the throne of God. John and I left the throne of God to Jerusalem. And when we came to Jerusalem, above the clouds, right facing, facing the promised land, Jerusalem, in the clouds. Two, remember, 2nd of April, 2004. Then I saw the death of Arafat. Then I saw a huge fresh tomb dug fresh like that. Huge tomb. Fresh. With soil. And while we are still above, then the Lord took us to the entire of the Arab world, Palestinian land. So we are seeing from above so we're seeing light, it was night, light in their houses, but you know, it looks more like candles from above, through their windows, windows, and you could hear the morning. The morning was like that. People were eh, trembling voice, morning, morning. The whole Arab land was morning. 2nd of April, 2004. that time Arafat was still alive. From above we saw the death of Arafat. That's why these things you see happening in Israel, these things are serious to the Lord. This thing of trying to take land from Israel, this is serious. 
God himself gets involved. They are very serious things. Trying to take land, God's land, divide it into small pieces, it is serious. But anyway, so we saw the tomb of Yasser Arafat and it was freshly dug like this. Freshly dug and a bit long. And huge. And we saw the mourning around Palestinian land, Arab land and everything. I think up to Jordan everywhere. And then from there, we now moved right above Jerusalem. In that vision, remember we are still in the vision, right? In that vision, everybody together? Then I saw a change of leadership in Jerusalem. Change of leadership. And it was a right-wing government. And at that time, the whole world was panicking. Why? It's the right wing. How shall we discuss the peace of Palestine with them? But as we were there, then another change of leadership took place. Two changes. It was now a more extreme right wing government in Israel. And the Lord took us to the capital cities of the world. And the leaders were panicking. They were saying, wow, how shall we discuss the peace of Palestine with them? It is now a more right-wing government. The region. After that, so there was panic, there was alarm, there was anxiety globally. After the second change of government, which was really also right wing, then we left. We left with John the Baptist back to the throne in that vision. But on the way, we saw people in aircrafts on the clouds going to Jerusalem. And I looked there and I saw certain Christians I know. So for me, the Lord puts in the aircraft certain Christians I know. So through the window, I can see people I know. Hallelujah. Going to Jerusalem. On our way to the throne. But I realized that in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 8, when Isaiah saw that particular dream, these people going, he also knew they are not Hebrew people, but he describes them. The aircraft is not yet invented. Isaiah 60 verse 8. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 8. Isaiah 60 verse 8. Right? Very good. It says, who are these that fly along like clouds, like doves to their nests? 
So the aircraft is not yet invented. And Isaiah could see them inside the aircraft flying with the clouds. But for me, the aircraft is invented now. And then I could also see particular Christians. Isaiah sees as what? He sees as doves. Hallelujah. Now, when we got back to the throne, uh, Charles Ephraim, focus on me. When we got back to the throne, back to the throne of God with John the Baptist. Again, the tremendous super white glory covers the throne. We are standing there. We had gone to see. Let me show you what is about to happen to the earth. Down to Jerusalem. Yes, Arafat dies. Two changes of leadership there. Then we have come back. We have seen some Christians going to Jerusalem. Back to the throne. Everybody focusing here, including uh, Sarah Mwangi. Hallelujah from Berlin. So, standing in front of the throne, look at this now. Then immediately, John the Baptist became transfigured. Transfigurado. And then the next thing I looked, I became transfigured. This is the transfiguration you see going on here. Eugene, you cannot have a book. You cannot write a thing because you are running the systems, right? You don't have a book in your hands and a pen. You don't. You really don't. So, this is the transfiguration you see going on here. It is right here on the TV. The video is here. Everybody focus. Focus on me now. We are still before the throne of God. John the Baptist is transfigured. I am transfigured suddenly. And the glory was so much that if you put a pen, a dot of a pen, you can see. Thank you for removing it so people can focus on me. Common sense, please. The transfiguration. So John is transfigured. I am transfigured. And then John raises, he, he stretches his hand and says, behold the glorious Lamb of God, like this, his right hand. When he stretched his right hand, then the glorious Lamb of God came. John the Baptist walked towards me and disappeared inside me. This is serious. Have you ever heard of anybody talk like this? And then you know time is over. Have you seen somebody transfigured and captured on camera? In this age? Then you know time is over. So now, the glorious Lamb of God is coming. Initially, from where I was standing, and the throne of God, there was a small ridge. A small, something like a, not deep, but just a shallow ridge. This is why you came. That I can share with you some deep secrets of the hour of the kingdom of God. There was a small ridge. 
But as the glorious Lamb of God was coming, everything became more glorious, super glorious. Thank you for clapping for the Messiah. More glorious. Super glorious. And the ridge disappeared. Small ridge, very shallow though. And then the glorious Lamb of God. He came and he stopped here. what we shared, I have not shared to a human being until today. But he's super glorious. You can clap, he's right here. Now, the next part, I now found myself entering the glory of God into the throne of God now. And I have described this to all people. The golden walkway inside the throne of God. The golden walkway inside the throne of God. The middle part is a richer yellowish gold. And there are two strips of reddish brown gold on both sides. As I walk through the glory inside the throne of God, this is serious stuff. You cannot even blaspheme this. You lock you out. This now you have entered serious deadly place. So, as I walked into that golden, into the throne room of God with a lot of white glory still on, I reached a place when I looked like this, I saw the glorious throne. But I looked right. Okay, can you hold it a moment? Yes. When I looked right, I saw the glory. This is serious stuff. I've taken you inside the throne of God. This is very serious. I have preached it, so it's all right. But when I turned right, then I saw this. Even I see now the super glorious throne of God. In fact, the seat of the throne. I even see it now. Super glorious. I cannot describe it. So when I stretched my neck to the left like this to see, I saw the glorious Lamb of God at the center of the throne. Listen, when I stretch like this, him is stretched a little bit. 
he stretched his neck a little bit to the right. And then I saw that he was like he had been slain and the blood was flowing on his glorious chest. Now you see. Now you see. The blood was flowing on his glorious chest. When he stretched a little bit to the right, then I was able to see now. He was like he had been slaughtered and the blood was flowing on his on his chest, glorious chest. This is very deep. This is now muy, muy profundo. of the throne and the entire heaven was worshipping him. The same worship they give the Father. So there you go. So when he says by the Lord's own word And then you go to John chapter 14. Then he says, I am God there. Literally says he is God. Hallelujah. I, Charles Ephraim, are you a little comfortable? Now a little more comfortable? You made me cut a big thing here on death. eh? I saw you uncomfortable. I said, let me leave it. (laughs) I had a huge portion on death. Something I've not given anyone else. I still have it here. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Because when you come, you need to get something new. Hallelujah. You cannot be getting the same thing. Because you see, I had already begun to split it out. The death of a believer. The death of an unbeliever. So you can go to your countries and tell them, when a believer dies, it is like this. When an unbeliever dies, be like this. So please become a believer. But when I looked at him, he was a bit... uh, Okay, so John chapter 14. Do you understand why I went all the way to the throne? Oh, my son. Tomorrow. But just be comfortable. Don't destabilize me here as if you're uncomfortable. (laughs) Because I want to give. I just came from Brazil. It was very massive. I'm tired. Like yesterday night, I did not sleep at all because we are still under the jet lag. But we want to do this for you, right? So just be comfortable. If you are comfortable, the spirit of the Lord will flow. No issue. And that is the same thing in Africa. You people have to learn what Brazil has done. Because honor comes first. You must honor the servants of God and remove pride before the glorious servants of God. Because if you think you can do it, they will go to another country that is ready. Be very careful. We are going to discuss this eventually. You saw what Brazil did. They simply honored the servants of God. Now the servants of God are establishing a revival there with Jehovah their God. That's alright. Thank you for clapping. But I'm saying cry for your country. I want to do it in every country. 
Russia, we are coming. Every country, we are coming. But the key is what God watches is honor. So don't feel uncomfortable. You make me cut a big portion. What is the big deal? Don't do that. <laughs> Why, my son? I have a big portion on death here I've cut. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll do it, right? Honor. The Lord watches honor. Let me tell you this today. If you dishonor, you can as well. And unfortunately for me, I have a golden key. Unfortunately for me, I have a golden key. I can literally lock you people out. Please don't let that happen. Right? No. Pride and what? Don't bring that here. The pride. I don't want to mention the countries involved. Don't do that. Honor. Brazil, when we just entered the first thing, they honored the servants of God for the work they have been doing globally. They said, we just want to honor you for that. That Kenya had a drought and you brought rain and lives were saved. And they said, we have never seen any human being do that. Even the letter here, if you see the letter they have written here, we don't have time to read it. We are live, I'm sure. They say, this, this, this assembly Legislative Assembly says, we recognize that the Lord in his infinite wisdom has chosen you as the mightiest prophet of the Lord for the audacious task of reviving and revival of repentance, holiness and righteousness, fundamental principles in the divine plan for his church. This is now politicians writing an invitation letter. They want to host, they want to do for me a big, big meeting for the Lord and invite me there. Honor, please. Brazil is a blessed country because of that. Honor. Stop the competition with the servants of God. You cannot stand there and call rain and have it. Don't do that. <laughs>